Hi, I'm Colton Cox. And if you're like me, you enjoy making your friends listen to albums they're probably not going to like very much, just so you can continue developing your new uh, bio series about the Wilson family and how they just fucking terrible to each other. This is Get Into The Groove. <laughs> I'm Colton Cox, your host today, and I'm here with some very good friends of mine. Rolling, rolling, rolling on. It's Brandon. Wow. <laughs> Give me... <laughs> rolling wow. on. There are, there are actually good tunes in this. <laughs> you like gave me blueberry. that. Just roll away. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have chewed the gum. <laughs> Hello, good to be here. It's Friday night. <laughs> what? It's Friday night. It's Friday night. <laughs> it's Melissa. Oh, 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 no, that's not me. <laughs> it's Melissa. <laughs> Oh no! It's Mel. <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't stand you right now. The sunlight blinded blinded me this morning, and it was Jeannie Harper. <laughs> Delightful and charming. Okay, so Jeannie gets a good ass one. Brandy gets rolling, rolling, rolling like a blueberry. I get it's Friday night. Some fucking Aussie. Admittedly, I kind of forgot to do that part of this. So I think the first one's that popped into my head. You got this episode is a, a certified shit show. <laughs> Ooh, off to a good start today. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is Get Into The Groove, the podcast where we take a deep dive on uh, some of our favorite records and talk about what was going on at the time and how we feel about the album, usually how much we don't like it. <laughs> oh, that's not true. Majority. I think, it, I think it's, I think it's balanced, it's, you know. It's usually. It's, yeah, people just pick good records. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I was going to say. <laughs> usually, we have pooped on a few we, of them, though. We love you so much, Colton. We love you so much. Listen, I'm just trying to broaden your horizons is all. That's mm, all. They're broadened. They're pretty broad. <laughs> okay. Pretty broad. All right. Well, we are going to talk about today. Kind of um, um, a little bit deeper cut of a record, I would say. This is Pacific Ocean Blue by Dennis Wilson of the Wilson family, the Beach Boys, right? So uh, I picked this record uh, mostly because I really love the story of the Wilson family in general, just because it's so 
just American tragedy. It's tragic. It really is. And every time I take a further step into it, really, I've only seen the perspective of the Wilson family from Brian Wilson, because that's been you know, one of my musical idols for a long time. So taking a step back into this and looking at it from the lens of Dennis Wilson was really, really interesting. And also learning more about the time frame after Pet Sounds, which I don't know as much about. You know, this is a good 10 years after Pet Sounds was released. So a lot has happened in that time. Uh, it's really just interesting to hear about. So, Will you eventually go into like the family tree? Like, You're going to go into detail? Like, yeah. Not a whole lot of detail, yeah. Okay, well, then I have a question. Yeah. How many Beach Boys were there? Right. Where does Dennis Wilson, where, where okay. is his twig? Okay, all right. So we'll, we'll get right into it. We need a little it. backstory. We'll yeah. get a little backstory. Okay, so the original Beach Boys is the three Wilson boys, which Brian's the oldest, Dennis is the middle child, and Carl is the youngest. Carl. The, Carl. The yeah. only living Wilson is Brian Wilson. Okay. The other, the other two Wilsons have died. Okay. Um, Mike Mike Love is their cousin. Oh. And Al Jardine is not a related person, but he was one of Brian Wilson's childhood friends. So <laughs> that's the Beach Boys. Um, it has gotten far more complicated since then as to who the Beach Boys are. Um, but that was the original formation were those five. Now I'm Beach Boys stupid. So sure. at this point. Were they together or it, totally split up at this point? And when this album is going, they are still together at yeah. this point. Um, but this album was following, um, they recorded their three years prior, they uh, recorded their album Holland, where mm -hmm. they uh, basically Mike Love and Carl Wilson kind of forced all of them to go to um, Holland to record their next album in this like farmhouse somewhere it was one of their best albums that they had done to date at that point but that was also just like it's just kind of a weird situation because they were all kind of forced to go do that but from that point three years later after that um in that time frame is when um dennis's voice really starts taking a downturn because of cocaine and heroin and uh, that's why his voice sounds kind of like me in this album at some points. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes it sense. Really I, yes. It sounded like he was just doing drugs while he was singing. I mean, honest. possible. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of this stuff doesn't necessarily relate directly to this album, but there is a whole lot that happens from the early, from the late sixties to this point in um, Dennis's life. So I'll kind of talk about some of that as we're going through it, but I'm going to try and do it as like smooth as possible. All right. <laughs> okay. Here's a, here's a dumb question. Okay. Um, will you get into why we can't find Pacific ocean blue by yes, itself? Okay. I, yes. Um, and it's actually not really super crucial. Basically what happened with it is the copyright for the album kept getting tossed around to different places um, and eventually it just kind of ran out and couldn't be found in print for like 15 years or so until the 90s. And there was a reissue in the 90s that was so like sought after and rare that there were some copies that were like $200. Oh. Right? So basically just like it wasn't a super popular album commercially, so nobody really wanted to hang on to it. It just kind of faded into obscurity. I see. 
Mm. So, Interesting. A lot of a lot of Beach Boys <laughs> related stuff that like came from the '60s and '70s that just kind of fell into obscurity until in the '90s. And I think that's really when Brian Wilson started feeling more like stable with mm. himself, not as having as many drug problems and things like that. So probably something related to that. I don't know the whole story because there's just so many legal battles with this fucking family. Like it's hard to keep track of what happens. So, but anyway, that's why it's, it's hard to find. And basically what happened with bamboo, which is his second record that never got released or it was released posthumously. Okay. Um, they, he started recording that after Pacific ocean blue, but he died before it got finished. So oh, now no. they've started packaging Bamboo and Pacific Ocean Blue as like a... It's just one collector's Yeah, series, it's, like a, it's like a Dennis Wilson like yeah. celebration collection, you know what I mean? Interesting, okay. Yeah. So that's, that why, that's why they have the weird like two-disc set on Spotify. Um, I just wanted to make sure you... The second one is really a continuation of this album. There is a little bit of difference in the sound, but it's, it's fundamentally just a continuation of this record so let's just get into some of the songs i'll kind of unveil some of the other stuff happening as we go through it so river song apparently i am the only person that liked this song (laughs) i mean what you you melissa seemed lukewarm about river song which was one of the singles for this this album out and uh, I don't know, like I was ready to turn it off. Seventies, everything's long. I understand that, I, you know. I know, and I did go into this with you know regular. Where is this accent coming from? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm apparently tired. Um, it's fry. Also, also, I'm sorry. I was just looking up the Beach Boys, and I was looking up a little, little bit of fact because I was trying yeah. to get my my timeline straight. True. And I uh, found out that. Carl Wilson's middle name is Dean, and now Carl Dean is in my head, and I think that might be where this accent's coming from. So, also, I'm very tired. Anyway, that's not the point. What were we talking about? This first song, it's not great. It's just it's long and drawn out, and it feels like it could be like a minute long and be a cute little intro or whatever. But it's just it's for me, it felt brooding and boring. It's definitely something I've heard before. Yeah, like, hmm, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I I don't know that I disliked it for that reason, but I was just like, yeah, okay, this is a sound he can do. Cool, he can pull it off. <laughs> I just felt like I, like I got the gist and then was ready to skip it. It was a weird song to open with. I thought, mm. like, and I I you know, like I kind of get yes, but also I think it goes back to like I don't know. I felt like, it, yeah, maybe it could be shorter. A lot of the songs on this album are like maybe a bit stilted feeling in general too. Stilted in, in I guess, explain that. I don't, I don't really. I felt like a lot of them were, they maintain this sort of simplicity to them and they also never feel particularly long. Sometimes feels like it just kind of like It just tapers off, out. you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I completely agree with that, yeah. So I don't, yeah, it was just, it was, I felt like it was an odd opener for the rest of the album. Interesting. See, for me, I, I do like this song. I felt it was one of the stronger ones on mm-hmm. this record. Um, that being said, you know, I don't think that there's really any like real, like knock it out of the park song on this. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some good, I think a couple get close. There are a couple that get close. Um, but yeah, I like this one because I like the way that it, ends in a different place than it kind of starts out, mm-hmm. you know, 
it sounds, especially when it starts out, to me, it almost sounds like a, maybe an Elton John song that I've heard before at the beginning. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but but then by the towards the you know middle half of it, you start getting the bigger drums and the distortion coming in, and it, I just feel like it kind of flowers open nicely from kind of a, a I don't know what the word is humdrum mundane. a humdrum start, you know? Yeah. Now I won't argue with it. Is definitely something <clears throat> I've heard before. I feel like this song is a mixture of that Elton John stuff I was talking about, but also I could hear like a little bit of like cashmere in there like led zeppelin mm-hmm. okay right especially in that bigger part with all the kind of orchestral sound going on but the reason i do appreciate this is because i feel that if you look at what's happening in the beach boys at the same time as this album they're even more out of touch with music that's going on in 1977 I see. I mean, we're talking about 1977 is probably the biggest year for punk music in in the early days, right? So, like, totally different thing happening from this. And this doesn't even get into that territory, but it is at least a little bit more close to the contemporary sound of the time. And that's what a lot of critics said as well. Um, in fact, this album outperformed the two Beach Boys albums that were at that time. Oh no. Yes. Oh no. Yes. Which, uh, Dennis believed was a point of, uh, contention with the beach boys. Um, which I'm going to find this spot. Tear each other apart soon. (laughs) No, basically he felt that I'm trying to find his specific words. Yeah. So after they, uh, record, he recorded this album, he released it. They basically told him, They kept telling me I had my solo album now, like I should go off in a corner and leave the Beach Boys to them. The album really bothers them. They don't like to admit it's doing so well. They never even acknowledge it in interviews. Um, Two weeks after that, he had broken up with the band at this point, but he came back two weeks later. But it generally, it seems that throughout the career of the Beach Boys, Dennis Wilson has been kind of relegated to the side. Um, When they first started they kind of begrudgingly had him play drums because he wasn't a great drummer, but they wanted the like family band image so Mm. bad. So they had him play drums and he talks about how Brian would always like try to get the family do like family sing-alongs and Dennis, mind you, Dennis is the only real surfer in the beach boys. He is the person in all of their songs about cars and girls and surfing. That's Dennis Wilson. He's the only one that actually lived that way. Right. So he's a little bit of a rebel. He likes to party. You know, he's a middle child. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But that's Dennis Wilson. That's just the way that he's always been. So his involvement in the band has always been kind of like, well, Dennis is here. And there's definitely a lot of jealousy from the other members because all the girls would flock to Dennis. Dennis. Because he was also handsome. Dennis could get it, I guess. (laughs) So that was kind of like the dynamic within the family is Dennis is just kind of here, right? Brian being always the kind of like person that brings everybody together would always defend Dennis and kind of make sure that he was included on things. And their relationship was very special as was Brian's relationship with everybody except Mike Love. So <laughs> not it's yet, too late. not yet, oh, okay. not yet, not yet. <clears throat> 
We're going to get there. We're going to get there. If this is going to talk about it anytime, it's tonight. I I swear to God, I tell you right now, by the time we end this episode, you guys will full on agree with me. Oh. I, I have agreed that we with don't you. Agree with no, you. no, I'm saying it's worse. It's <laughs> worse than anything that More? you guys might have imagined. All right, all right, okay. all right. Your rant during pet sounds was a lot, so you better bring it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I didn't know some of the things that I found out about oh, this. Right. Knowledge. I don't directly blame Mike Love for all of it, but anyway, so that's kind of the vibe <laughs> with this. This. Um. With this record, Dennis made his solo record and basically he feels that the rest of the band doesn't really care about it and that he yada, yada, yada. But anyway, Dennis really started writing songs for this album. What? Now, did they ever say anything about it later? Like, did, they have any, like, did Brian ever do an interview later and be like, I didn't care about this album? Or like, it was I'm sure they or? did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they... Of course, publicly, they're going to say, yes, you know, we're very proud that Dennis did this album and all this kind mm-hmm, of stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to keep their private. They're not going to tell people about their real feelings. You're you know? right. You're right. But regardless, just, just going on to. Um, oh, yeah. So he started writing songs in the 1970s, but like gradually just didn't really end up working on them. A few of them got turned into Beach Boys songs. And a fun fact Dennis Wilson is actually a, a rumor has it kind of thing, an uncredited writer on You Are So Beautiful. Oh. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that. Yeah, oh. so uh, he was in the room when Billy Preston was writing the song, and he suggested a, a little some changes to the melody and like a couple of lines of lyrics is, is the, how the story goes. But he's not credited, so hard to say. But basically what happened is Brian started showing Dennis piano music like how to play piano different chords things like that and brian eventually or not brian dennis eventually took all of that and started writing his own songs and it kind of developed into his own style and i think especially in this next song what's wrong definitely not one of my favorite songs on this (laughs) this album it's very ho-hum you liked it? I loved it. I think <laughs> I feel like we're going to have some weird moments where I point out songs that I was like, I was into this. I think it. Th- this album really is um, just kind of all over the place, really. Refreshing. Yeah, sorry. Refresher. Here's the thing. Oh, this one reminded me of... Uh, the Beach Boys? Felt like, no, it didn't feel like the Beach Boys, actually. It, this Because this is the one with like a lot of the... Like the... Um, Blues guitar in oh. it. Oh, I think so, yeah. A little bit, yeah. This one reminded me of something by, oh, wow. I'm blanking out now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chuck Berry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, this see felt that. very like Chuck Berry. Inspired. I liked it because I thought it sounded so much like kind of old school, like rock and roll, mm-hmm. which yeah. I think puts it kind of out of fashion for the time. It is. But yeah. it was very fun. Like, and that was the thing is I, I made a note that, uh, I mean, you kind of mentioned like, uh, sounded a little bit like Elton John and like I thought of a lot of those early 70s like they still had that like rock and roll yeah, kind of thing yeah. going on and I got that vibe from this and I love that time period of music so I was like oh this is fun like it's I think so... it, it's not that it does anything crazy special but it's still fun like it's a fun song and it's, That's it's fair, a little bop. Yes. I thought it was good okay so I'm guessing the 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 brooding parts of the first song are what you did not like and I think this brooding, was a little bit of a f- was breath the wrong of f- word. 
Well, no. I, this, there is some brooding for sure is? on this the album. The word is that I get into the song and I'm in it for a second. And then all of a sudden I feel like I need to be in the back of a van shooting up something in my <laughs> Okay. Like, I feel like wow. I need okay. to be in a different space because it's, it's not there. Like, it's weird. Okay. Like, not so it's not brooding. It's not sad or like, <laughs> like whatever that one album was. It's it was dark. Really sad. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. It's funny. Like it's funny to me because I feel like this song really is stagnant. Like it does not change vibes really at all. This it's one's like when of, they stop the van at the gas station and they get out for snacks and this is the song playing in the background over the PA system of the gas Jesus station. Christ. But to me, I, to me, I really felt like this highlighted some of the influence that Brian has on Dennis. Mm. I felt like this sounds like some Beach Boys tunes, like sure. especially yeah. the yeah. background vocals. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, the background yeah. vocals for sure. Right. Now, it definitely isn't fully a Beach Boys song, but it has that kind of a little bit of a taste of it, of mm -hmm. it in there compared to some of the other tracks on this album. I suppose this would <clears throat> make sense if he like only just started writing songs in the the early 70s. Yeah. He's probably influenced by a lot of the stuff that's happening at the time as well as Brian. Right. And I mean, if he's only been writing songs for seven years at this point, he's probably not like graduated far past that. Well, I, I would, you have to remember this is his first solo album, but this is not the first song of his that he's written. That's been recorded. in. sure. He has beach boys songs that right. are fully credited. Right, to right, him, right. right? Okay. So like, yes, he's only been writing songs for seven years, but he's had full on, like songs on the radio, but know? maybe only writing by his own vibe for seven years, like Perhaps. truly yeah. by now, his own vibe. That to you know, kind of branch off of that. Most of this album was recorded in Brother Studio, which is actually in Brian Wilson's house. So this was all recorded basically at home. Oh wow! Um, and I think they did take it out to some other studios for different things, but like most of it was recorded in the home studio, and. A lot of the time, so in this time frame, Brian has pretty much completely like exited the Beach Boys. He, this is recluse era. This is mental break era. Yes. Um, mm. And he and Dennis would often go hang out in the studio and do drugs together and write music and things like that. Fun. But at a time, at this time though, Brian, like his relationship with Mike Love was just completely brutal because, you know, Mike Love. But, they don't really talk to each other. Like Brian didn't really talk to anyone in the family except for like his brothers. So Dennis and him had this really special relationship for a while that was probably toxic. But at the same time, I think for the two of them, this was like the only companionship that they felt that they really had, um, which is really sad um, considering they're in a band with their fucking family, you know, but um, that's besides the point. They must've got each other. Yeah, well, and you know, it is his big brother. Like, I can only imagine that that had a very strong impact on their relationship with each other, you know? So, moving on to the next one, kind of talking about some of these drug problems. We have Moonshine. I, I might have to do this for every song, and I'm so sorry. It's okay. This The intro of this yeah. is... Yeah. This is a very druggy song. <laughs> Listen, okay. Here's the thing. A note that I have is there are a couple of these songs that remind, remind me very specifically of Station to Station era, David Bowie. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about fucking druggy. Like. <laughs> no, I, I thought, I actually, I do like this song because I do think it has a very like, 
contemporary sound for the 70s. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's still like, it sounds kind of unique even for being, you know, from 77. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, this is an interesting one. It kind of uh, takes weird tw- twists and turns, this one. Another one that I felt kind of starts to like stagnate out towards the end, but I think that's kind of the point of this song that it's, it just kind of fades away into mm-hmm. oblivion, you know? Thoughts I think on? I think the the fading out too often throughout this album lent me to thinking that the songs were not fully fleshed out. Like yeah. the writing on them. I love well, a lot of the writing that does happen on this album. Um, I appreciate that he is both like, is a very like plaintive, simple like writing. Like he doesn't get too like too deep into the head. He doesn't get too descriptive. Like it's very short. It's blunt, and he does a lot of repetition of the same lines. Right. Um, and I think that is what like screws me up because I think actually I thought a lot of this album was really good. Like yeah, mm-hmm. it's really enjoyable. It just seems unfinished. Yeah, yeah. And that was my biggest thing with it is is like there are so many pieces that feel like kind of incomplete like he almost has it fleshed out you know it's weird it's sort of, i had the feeling this felt like i had to look it up because i felt like this was a posthumous album mm-hmm. like i felt like it was one they put together by stuff that they found yeah like, he died five years later yeah but, but like it does have that feeling it has that feel yeah like it feels like it was oh, um sorry, and I'm, I'm gonna get a little bit into some of that um why it feels that way um or at least in my opinion why it feels that way but uh yeah moonshine is i don't know it, it's the first trace of kind of um, people always his family and friends talked about how there was basically two sides of Dennis. There was the wild child party going guy. And then there was this really like dark brooding emotional man underneath of all that. Um, and that was why it was so difficult to deal with him a lot of the time, because mm-hmm. you just never knew what you were going to be confronted with. If it was going to be fun Dennis or if it was going to be, you know, sad, lashing out that kind of guy you know bipolar almost what they believe is that he had undiagnosed adhd Mm. um and that he really really struggled with impulse control Mm -hmm. and i think that really hits the nail on the head if you ask me um and that's that's his good friend um greg jacobson that talked about greg jacobson helped him write this album he had a very big hand in this um so yeah I will also get into some of the other problems <laughs> that Dennis probably had from some choices that he made in his life. So continuing on with the album itself, though, uh, we have Friday night. Friday night. Friday night. <laughs> I'm so, still so mad behind you. I'm really, I'm really curious what your guys' thoughts are on this song. This one? I feel like I'm torn 50-50 on I this. also made a note. note. I do remember a lot of, yeah, drama. <clears throat> this is not completely instrumental now. No, yeah, no. he just says it's Friday night. This isn't very long either, is it? Oh, uh, just this kidding. one's it's a little, minutes. yeah. It's one of the longer one of an album that has a lot of short songs on it. It gets groovy here in a second. Mm-hmm. That was my note. I said this one and Dreamers both get real groovy. Yes. yes. Yeah. This, sometimes this album has some stank. No, yeah, like I think it's, I think there's some really like good stuff you, on it. It's like I described to you, it's like sexy beach boys <laughs> with like a little bit more grit and nastiness mm-hmm. added to it. Yeah. See, that's really nice, whatever's <laughs> happening there. 
Yeah, it's like. Also, you guys made me do this after fucking meatloaf. What? <laughs> what are you? What am I supposed to pick? How you follow it up? <laughs> and I love that you picked an album that was released in the exact same year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Like. If, I swear to you, if you look up the Beach Boys albums that are happening at the same time, they're on another Flops. fucking planet. Like, they are, nothing sounds like the 70s. Wow. Like, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, that voice. I love his voice. I like That's him a this beach too. man. That's. <laughs> might live on the beach. <laughs> yeah, he okay, might live on it, the beach. I'm leaving. <laughs> Okay. I might right. ask you for a dollar. <laughs> okay. Well, what what are your thoughts on this song? I, I like you it. You like it? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, like you said, I think I like it because of the the cinematic the approach. quality yeah. to it. I yeah. think I it also it. again like it manages to kind of fall into what's happening in the time period. Yeah, I feel like true. it's a breath of one of the fresher songs on the album. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he had to put rock and roll the the words into like every song on this album we get it, but he did it. <laughs> it's just like it's like uh, i can't come up with words uh rock and roll <laughs> okay so that brings up a thing to me this album has a lot of like potential for it i also feels like what it could have been because i think i think i almost see what his vision is yeah. like overall mm-hmm. But he is not quite in a place where he has the talent oh, no. to like, he doesn't know how to pull it all together and actually put on the performance is what you get. I would argue that he does have the talent, but he's on so many fucking drugs that he can't. He's like, he's, he's past that line of like functioning drug use. Okay. Like, because man, heroin, cocaine. Okay. So like, he just can't get it together to actually make it happen. Yeah. Because it sounds like he's got like, the, there is the vision that's present. Yes. Like everything, like instrumentally, like the way he delivers his vocals and the writing and the idea behind them. Yeah. Like it feels like if he'd actually been able to get his shit together and go back and be like, let me tighten up on some of this writing. Let me get some I'm of this you. other stuff pushed through and like really like rounded out some of these songs. Like this could have been like, a actual like a kind of a really cool knockout album. But she's trying to say if he was sober, this would have been bomb. Yeah, I, I really, I really agree. <laughs> there you I, go, kids. I do really think that had they given him a chance, Dennis probably could have been the next big voice of the Beach Boys. He mm. may have been able to fill Brian's shoes. He could have like kind of steered them also yeah. a little more on track and kept them prevalent. Because right, Carl, oh, yeah, Carl also it. has some good stuff that he's done the throughout were the years. Dinosaurs mm-hmm. at this but, point. But he and Mike Love were just <laughs> insistent on maintaining this this archaic doo-wop 50 sound that they just they they Sounds didn't move like they forward just wanted to like play little tours at casinos you know Reed they wanted well at the very least i don't know as much about carl but i know that mike love loves to that's make what money he loves to do so that does not surprise me if that's what because that's what the beach boys are now they're just a fucking performance group money machine but, are we here yet no not yet okay Oh, no. We're all just no. waiting for the blow up. No. We're all waiting it's, for no. the facts. We're all waiting to be shocked. It's going to be, it's not going to be. angry with Mike Love. It's not going to be until towards the end. Oh, but. damn it. Anyway. So, um, that's Friday night. So, the next one is Dreamer. I. They popped in some horns in this motherfucker. Yes, yes. they did. Uh-huh. Yes, the horns. I was literally about to turn the goddamn song off and then. And I said, ah, okay, Ba-da. all right, I'm here, I'm here. Ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> oh, it's so good. No, I definitely, the horns show up every time they show up on this album. You're like, yeah. Yeah, because they're like out of the blue. 
And they're and they're not they're out of the blue and it's not just like gentle. No, it's, it's always wild. like they're, in yeah. your fucking face. Which is what you want from horns. Yes. No, I yeah, Dreamer starts out not being one of my favorite songs uh-huh. and then it's like, "Oh shit, there it is." Yeah, I know a carpenter who had a dream. There's a lot of Jesus stuff on this album yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's Jesus that was a thing I did notice. There's a lot of Kind of Jesusy writing, like there are these hints that, like, I mean, he's halfway to God. Well, and we're we're talking about someone who has also been in rehab <laughs> multiple times, so I'm mm-hmm. sure he is a Christian he's man because he probably yeah. had to do the twelve step program several times. Oh yeah, the, I wanted to talk about this. The like, what is it? A bass harmonica? Yes, that's a bass harmonica. Nice. It's, I love that. Yeah, yeah. That that was my favorite part of uh, Pet Sounds too. Was the bass harmonica? So, well, ooh. <laughs> and that, I think it's further evidence that like he is a strong songwriter because he's not only thinking in chords and stuff; it's textures too. Mm-hmm. He's getting he's he's singing outside. This is of a the great box. production. Yes. Now I will add this record was definitely not a fully Dennis Wilson. Like he had a lot of help from I was his friends. Say, um... Yeah. <laughs> you said he did this in Brian's house, right? Well, I'm just saying. They did, but you have to You know, he was like, right hey. Control Freaky Deaky might have gone, let me just put this in here. <laughs> just sneak that in. Boom. <laughs> Even though he was doing this himself, he is a fucking Wilson. So he's got access to everyone. For sure, for sure, for you sure, know? for sure. And and also it's a home studio, but it's the Wilson's home studio, which is probably equivalent to like a really really nice recording studio. It's a studio that's meant to be just as good as a regular yes. one, but more accessible because it's yes. there on that property. Like so, yeah, like it's recorded you at home, but it's there. not a home recording. You get yeah. together whenever you want. <laughs> but yeah, um, and I I really like. Again, how the song just takes some really good twists and turns, like when the wind carry your blues away. Like it's a kind of unexpected turn, and it's just I don't know. It's cool to see some different songwriting habit. Everything could have been one note the whole time, and he manages to still have some good variety in there. Mm. Do you know what I think? What this song could be a good alternate for um, a title sequence for The Sopranos. Oh yeah! Oh, oh, I like that. Just putting that out there. One in a million. He's got the <laughs> shotgun shine. <laughs> <laughs> I love Great. that. All right, all right, all right. So, um, I might perhaps get into some of the sad stuff, um, but the next song, "Thoughts of You." Mm-hmm. I couldn't even listen to this song. I was not in the right mindset. I'm sorry. No, this song, no, it is is a snorer. I was sad. I said, uh uh, this is too sad for me. It is very sad. Oh. Um, What? Oh, sorry. Keep going. Although, okay, I'll tell you my main gripe with this song. Um, Although his voice is not what you would describe as a. beautiful thing to listen to. I do feel that... Hold on. Hold on. Continue. I'm not going to interrupt you. Continue. (laughs) Um, uh, He delivers these lines emotionally. They're just packed with emotion. Yes. And I honestly... The part that I don't like about the song is the fact that it exits from that emotional state into kind of like a... Like he's trying to be pretty? No, 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 no. It's when... All the things live one day must die, you know, when all that stuff starts. It's, he gets like the weird, 
vocal effect stuff going on and it just sounds super spacey and like Mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. there. And I think it really detracts from what started with a really beautiful statement about what I would assume would be his ex-wife. But what if these are the thoughts that spiraled him into a little bit and then the end of the song is the end to the drugs. Hold on. Wait, is this the one though? Because we're talking about his ex-wife. Um, isn't this the one that she like, I think may have, um, co-wrote. I don't, I'm trying to remember. double check myself. You may have found something that because I, I saw something where I think it's cause it's what's her last name. Uh, something like Karen lamb or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she I read, co-wrote time, uh, I, time, for yeah. thoughts of okay. you, it's him okay. and Jim Dutch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I read that he co-wrote. Okay. This wasn't it though. Okay. Well, Oops. so let's talk about his ex-wife. Um, so they, Dennis was married several times, first of all. Um, but this, I think this woman was the one for him. I say this because when he died, he died by drowning. First of all, I didn't know if you guys knew this, but he Yikes. died from drowning because he was diving off of his boat to retrieve his ex-wife's belongings that he had thrown off of the boat into the river three years prior. He was really wasted. He was wasted as fuck, and he was feeling sad about his ex-wife. And he, oh, my God. He had shallow yeah. water blackout. Yes. So I think, a, I think a lot of these songs about his like heartbreak, I think they are about mm. Aaron. Because he he was married after this, and he had been with other women, but like that was the one. She I mean, won. yeah, he died diving for her stuff that was there three years ago. Like that is a certain. I don't want to say crazy. I'm also. But I did. I did. I I'm not going to talk about the circumstances of how he ended up jumping off of a boat diving for his ex-wife's stuff. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Oh, does it have to do with Mike Love? Uh, it's a little bit to do with Mike Love. Missing <gasps> three more tracks. Um, but yes. Yeah, so thoughts of you. There's actually like six more tracks. Actually, like six more tracks. Oh, I was guessing when we were going to get to the oh, Mike Love no. stuff. <laughs> okay. yeah, he was estimating. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so yeah, thoughts of you. I think you that, like I was saying, that constant thing that's running through this is this this heartbreak that he has experienced, obviously at some point in time. And I really do think it was about Karen. So that's these are all my conspiracy theories, I suppose. So then we get to time. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I thought thoughts of you. I said that it starts beautiful. I also said it gets weird in like a Pink Floyd way at the it end. It does, yes. Which I thought <laughs> yeah. was real yeah. interesting because it was very distinctly like, I'm like, that is that is a Pink Floyd specific yeah. kind of weird sound. I think, I think if nothing else, Dennis was very much paying attention to what was happening <gasps> around him at the time. Talk about Pink Floyd just real quick. <laughs> I do love them as well. And I just want to say, I think desolation is the word that I want to put to them. They do desolation mm. and like big empty feelings really mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. which I think tying back to this song applies gorgeously with this particular one. Like about time or you're talking about thoughts of you, thoughts of you, thoughts of you. Okay. Sorry. I okay. just wanted to tag that on really quickly. Oh, Cause I that gotcha. was my, that was my takeaway from that song is I was like, I do like this a lot. And also like, I was like, it's Pink Floyd. <laughs> well, um, 
Continuing off of it, though, not to, to end the Pink Floyd train, but um, I think time also continues into that feeling sorry for himself about his ex-wife because he's talking about, you know, kind of guy who loves to mess around, know a lot of women, but they don't feel my heart. Right? Only one person. Her, right? Only uh, one person has felt me. The, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the, the rest of the song is just like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Musically, I think this was the one that was my other favorite. This has horns in it too, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I just like the horny horns. And they stand out. We're band nerds, aren't we? <laughs> We're just but like, they, oh, horns. Listen, yes, we yes, love please. the song. We the love horns, it. It's great. The horns inject all of the the fun into this album, though. Oh, oh yeah. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good track. Lyrically, not that great. <laughs> <laughs> but song-wise, it's great. Um, okay, so after that, we've got uh, You and I. Oh. You, you, and I. Not that one. Oh. Been a long time since you came around. Been a long time. Met him back in town. <laughs> not that one. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> um, so... Ah, man, this song. Okay, so he's talking about, uh, this is one that, um, yeah, it says on Genius right here. It's a song that uh, Dennis Dennis (laughs) described. Dang, Colton. Dennis (laughs) described about being with his then wife, Karen Lamb. Uh, She also earns a songwriting credit for co-writing lyrics. Um, But... Talking about, uh, I've never seen the light that people talk about. You open my wallet and dust falls out. Um, I'll never make the headlines or the evening news. There won't be rags to riches story for me. Oh, but the songs that I sing won't be blue. Yada, yada. Okay. <sighs> Let me talk about what happens to Dennis Wilson. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about how all this drug stuff started happening. All right. So he was doing drugs. For you know, around the same time that they that Brian and, and they they started doing drugs around the same time in the late sixties, right? Mm-hmm. It was a relatively brand new thing for them. A few years later, um, Dennis picks up these two girls who are hitchhiking on the highway, and they hang out for a day and they have a fun time, right? At another day, he sees these same two women. And he picks them up again, but this time he takes them back to... Are they the Manson girls? They take him back to his house. And then later that same day, he leaves the two girls there. He comes back and there's like a commune of women and other people at the house. And At his man, house? At, at his, his house, house. At a man named Charles Manson. Didn't they like move in for a minute? Oh, yes. The Manson family lived with the Wilsons for several months, actually. I think actually a year. Um... So, Brandon's face. <laughs> so it's like that's like, drama. like a creepy time. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yes. just, oh yeah. Just, I want to know why I didn't know this. Buckle why is this buckaroo, something I was aware? It's about to get fucking wild. I think I know wild. a lot of this because I follow the Manson thing a lot. Oh boy, it's about to get fucking wild. All right. So Dennis Wilson then becomes friends with Charles Manson. Very good friends. Mm-hmm. Dennis Wilson starts introducing Charles Manson to people in the music industry and begins recording Charles Manson in Brother's studio. Yeah, because he really That's wanted right. to be he a did recording be, artist. Yes. yes. Well, because he's a cult leader, essentially. Yep. Yep. He just wants better access. Okay. Yes. So 
What happens is Dennis Wilson then takes a Charles Manson song and does not credit Charles Manson. That's correct. Or the songwriting. That is correct. Essentially, this turned into a vendetta for Charles Manson, who, uh, after he found out about it, the Manson family tore apart Dennis mm-hmm. Wilson's house, did about, um, well, first of all, they cost him about $100,000. This is not damages. This is when they were living there. They cost him about $100,000 worth of drugs, food, they were living um, on his dime. Oh, yeah, they were. The biggest one, penicillin for the persistent gonorrhea that all of the women had oh, because they were oh being passed around as sex toys, right? Okay. So all of this coming out of Dennis Wilson's pocket, and he's fine with it because he's like, I gave away all of my, my, my riches, and now I have like a simpler life, right? Okay. Because he got sucked into a cult. Because he got sucked into a cult. Um, oh, but, so Charles Manson... He takes Charles Manson's song, and there's some gray area here as to exactly what happened with this, how much of it is like actually Charles Manson, yada, yada. But they destroy Dennis Wilson's house, do like a shit ton of damage, beat the shit out of his car, all of this stuff, and essentially like terrorize Dennis, and he is like afraid for his life, right? Then he eventually moves out. And the Manson family gets evicted by the landlord because it's a rental home, right? That's actually how they ended up on the ranch they were living on when yes. they yes. committed the Sharon Tate murders. That's extra yes. crazy. Yes. Yeah. And then, they got evicted. Mm-hmm. Yes. At some point in time, it was actually, I think they were still at the house and were like in the middle of kind of transitioning to the ranch. When the Sharon Tate? No, they had moved all the way to the ranch. Yeah, okay. I don't. I don't. It gets because murky. because the thing was that they they went on the ranch to work on the ranch and ended up essentially pushing out the owner of the ranch yes. the same way they pushed out Dennis Wilson out of his. From home. what I understand, they were using the women to satisfy the ranch owner yes. and like, yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, they uh, you know the Manson story is separate, but like basically. Dennis Wilson spent all of this time where Manson was loose, afraid for his life because he thought that Charles Manson was going to kill him, right? At least that's what some people say. There are other stories that um, one time Charles Manson came to Dennis Wilson's house and handed him a bullet um, and was basically saying, like, I want you to think of every time, every time you think of me, I want you to think of, um, how happy you are with your, your wife and your family or something like that to him. Right. Some eyewitness speculate that, uh, Charles Manson said this to Dennis and then Dennis busted his head open on the concrete <laughs> and beat the shit out of Charles Manson. So I hope that that's the true side of the story, but That'd be amazing. <laughs> but, um, so there's, you know, drug the drug problems were uh, exacerbated not only by being friends with Manson, but also this fucking crippling anxiety of the aftermath of that. And also, there's a lot of speculation that Dennis knew that they were killing people, and he didn't say anything to the police about it. Um, and also that the police state that when they took his testimony, they actually ended up taking Greg Jacobson's testimony because they didn't want to put Dennis Wilson on the stand because he was so drugged out of his mind, people would think that he was crazy and they couldn't use him as a credible witness. Also, what a high profile thing to add to oh, already. Like yeah. also the beach boys are 
standing in on trial right now. 1977. So I bring all of this up because year, there won't be rags to riches Charles story. Manson and his cult. Dennis Wilson, please testify. Okay, so. Uh, I house them in my rental home. My, mind you, all of this is in like the early 70s. So this is years, years before the solo album, before this album is recorded and released, right? <laughs> okay. But the oh, yeah. aftermath of oh, that is still... Oh, he's living with this while writing the album then. He yes. was like, I harbored Charles Manson <laughs> and his killer cult. Yes. That's why, that's why he's so fucked up. Yes. He's on this album. He's like, I don't quite want to write about it, but okay. I've got some weird feelings to but explore. But it gets worse. It gets worse. So, um, and genuinely, Guilt. I have like... Like I said, this, this was not even so it's much man. about the album itself as it is the story. Um, so he died five years after this album was released, right? You know, his drug problems have just gotten worse and worse and worse. Um, in November of 1983, the Beach Boys, mostly Carl Wilson and Mike Love, um, cause Brian is not a part of it at this point, pretty much, um, have come to the point where they're like, Dennis, we, you can't be in the band anymore. Your drugs are out of control. Uh, let me remind you at this point, he was like during their performances was like streaking sometimes. Um, his antics were just getting like completely out of control. Right. But, um, they basically said, you have to go to rehab or you cannot be in the beach boys. So he decided, Oh, I'm not going to go to rehab. So I guess I'm fucking done. All right. Two, Amy Winehouse, that shit. About two weeks later, said no, no, no. About two weeks later, they um, he checked into a rehab facility and was like, obviously, had had the shit beat out of him, like bruises, cuts, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but basically, what happened in the final weeks of his life? Um, Dennis Wilson was homeless um, and was living a nomadic lifestyle. So, like, traveling. Just traveling, didn't no connection to his money, completely, you know, just homeless and died in not obscurity because people knew who he was, but like. He just had so much, uh, not going right. Yep. Yep. That's a shame. And it seems that his family, as they have historically done to the poor people in their family that have horrendous mental illness they problems don't want to deal with it. They're like, Yucky. it is about the business. It is about the beach boys. The beach boys come first. How do we hide that and remain popular? Yep. That's that's and, and genuinely it is Mike loves business mindset that has ruled the whole thing the whole time. Like it, that's why the beach boys that they know him as is like, the Beach Boys. Wasn't the their dad ones, right? also? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, the their root. father was also yeah. the re, like the one who was ultimately like driving them. He's like, well, yes, money machine. Extending into that Work too. Work boys. <laughs> extending out of that too, Dennis was the one that was most likely to have been physically abused by their father mm. um, because he was the one that was getting in trouble all the time. And basically they described him as like, he couldn't sit still. Like any time that his mind was allowed to linger, he would just like, bolt off and do something. Dennis. Dennis. Yeah. So like you just have a family full of mentally ill people who, I mean, Brian's fucking schizophrenic and Dennis is possibly undiagnosed ADHD and like just all these fucking problems that could have been dealt with if they had just 
been supportive of each other instead of just like, I'm going to cut you out of your family's band if you don't get your shit together. There's just, it was so, it's so cold. That's the thing that gets me. Like every time I read about the relationship between this family, it's just like no fucking love is there. It's so dramatic and exhaustive. Their whole history though. I mean, like the whole history. Yeah. And it just kills me. Like he's fucking Dennis Wilson and he died homeless. Now, granted, a lot of it was on his own, like giving away his shit and like being an idiot sometimes. Right. But like they let him die. Like that's what it comes down to. They cut him off, told him you got to get help or you're out. And then he didn't get help for himself because Duh. I'm just. No, I know. I hear you. I hear you. I just. You can't I tell someone. Say, Duh, in a minute. <laughs> it's like you can't tell someone who is in that state of mind that you are on your own. Yeah, because they're not making logical choices already. Like, no, what, make, what makes you right. think that they're going to all of a sudden do it now? Right. And and of course, the one thing that always makes me pull back from having like just total like heartbreaking sympathy is they're fucking rich white people, like. They could have, any one of them could have kept him from fucking drowning, yeah. diving for his ex-wife's belongings he threw off three years. Like, come on. Why was he by himself? True. <laughs> Truly. Like, it's baffling to me. They cared so much more about the Beach Boys than they did about the actual fucking The family. Beach Boys. I don't know. And of course, I'm not a part of this band, obviously. So, like, I don't know the full story. But it just... <laughs> It just seems every time that I do a, a tip my toe into the Wilson family story, it's just like, wow, you guys just fucked each other over constantly, didn't you? Colton, if you could be in a band that you love, which band do you want to be in? <laughs> Honestly, probably not the Beach Boys. Okay, not the Beach Boys. Not Ruled with that, that drama. Ruled that out. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's the end of that story, of the Dennis Wilson story, is he died homeless Diving for his ex-wife's belongings in a fucking river. Just <sighs> fucking depressing. But back to the last few tracks of this album. <laughs> yeah, we're on to the titular track. Titular right? track, Pacific Ocean Blues, which is another... Speaking of Mike Love. Right. <laughs> he did help write this one, yeah? Yes, I believe so, yes. Um, it was, uh, from what I understand, a lot of the contributions from other members of the Beach Boy were very minimal. Like a couple of twisted lines here and there, a couple mm-hmm. of little melody things. So it was a lot more like Dennis and his team that was working on the album that put the whole thing together. But um, Pacific Ocean Blues, um, really just kind of a cool, groovy track, I felt like. Not really, I don't think, a, a, well, I guess it is kind of a standout. It is the most famous one, or at least the number one on Spotify. And I think that's mostly because people think it's the Album. whole album <laughs> and it's just the no, one like, song white. i almost did that and i was like wait a minute he said it wasn't just a song <laughs> went back and looked at the instructions <laughs> but yeah um so yeah just a kind of a cool track uh these last few i feel like after after pacific ocean blues there's there's some mixed feelings you could have with these last few songs Farewell, my friend, um, I think is is a really great example of just the kind of more relatable lyrical style of Dennis Wilson. Yeah. Just kind of like, you know, simple but poignant, I guess. 
But they played this song at his funeral, um, oh. which I think was pretty fitting for for him. I feel like lyrically, this is the best done song. Yeah. Because um, it has a really, it actually has a really good like follow through on mm-hmm. it. And the whole concept of it. I know I saw the word like ecological use and I was like, yes, that's true. And it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, I mean, we talked a little bit about the writing on um, Marvin Gaye's album. Oh, um, yeah. You know, like. There is that, you know, that was a time period when people were, and that came out so much earlier even. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people were still aware of like musically, I guess, addressing like climate crisis kind of issues. Right. And this is like, this absolutely is a song that like fantastically deals with it. Like it was, I thought it was good writing on a particular song. Yeah, I, I think that really is the thing that sets him apart from the other Beach Boys is the lyric writing. Mm-hmm. It's not as... I guess intellectual as some of the other, like, you know, you take it this and you look at pet sounds, which is still not like a obscure lyricism, but yeah. a little more metaphorical. I some, guess. Yeah. 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 Different use of imagery and stuff. Right. Yeah. But he's very just like to the point. Mm-hmm. And I think it works very well, especially for his voice. Cause yes. his voice is very soulful. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I can't remember, I, I, I meant to talk about this, and I, I can't remember if it's this song or if it's if it was earlier. The line, um, I still love you, but in another way. Mm. I think that's an earlier mm-hmm. track. I went to talk about that one. That, to me, sounds like something an ex-wife said to him, specifically Karen Lamb. But that, that line, that just strikes me as someone who's, like, been broken up with. <laughs> you know? Um Okay, so rainbows. What are your thoughts on this one? <clears throat> Let me pull up the old. Uh... I don't remember this one. <laughs> this is kind of a an odd one. Again, I think I mentioned. I think it it was going to be the ones that you said were odd ones. I think are the ones that I usually <laughs> wound up liking, and I know why I like them. Because again, like I said, a lot of the sound and production. On some of them sounds like that particular station time period. Yeah, it's got that station to station thing going. But also a lot of them have that early 70s rock vibe going. Mm-hmm. So again, like it was weird because it wasn't what I expected. Yeah. And it, they're weirdly interspersed between his other more like... <sighs> he gets into that like more... I don't want to call it folk writing, but like mm. there is some aspect to it writing wise. Like getting down to the writing. It's not the sound of everything. It's the, his style think, of writing is. I feel like he takes this jump back and forth between the like the stuff you're talking about. Yeah. And then you look at songs like Friday Night and things like that mm-hmm. that have that like 70s cocaine fueled yes. blues sound yes. to it. It's it's weird how he shifts back and forth and he yeah. does it a lot in this particular album. Like mm-hmm. Guys, you guys, you guys, you guys. Is it the drugs? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, probably. I mean, think about yeah. it. Like if you write the song on cocaine, it's going to sound a little different than Maybe the way he writes on heroin. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like there's going to be some some things. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what all he took, but I know he was taking a lot. I read that he was an alcoholic, but oh, that yes. he yes. mixed cocaine and heroin. Yes. Which, yeah. And alcohol, which yeah. is. Not, oh, yeah. Not okay. Woof. This was a man that was very obviously crying out for help. So, help. 
Yes, like that. <laughs> I knew that Dennis Wilson drowned Faintly in the distance yeah. like again because of um, a car seat headdress no. song. Because there's <laughs> specifically a, a song where he talks about yeah, how much who's. he idolizes right. Brian Wilson. But there's a line where he says, Dennis was an alcoholic who drowned looking for treasure. And I remember being like, I guess I don't know the full story behind it, but I guess he drowned diving somehow. Yeah. And, I, and then they lined up. And I was like, I see. Um, all right. So last track, end of the show. Um, the end of the show. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Thanks for letting us know it's the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. It's a it's an obvious ending, yeah. Yeah, he really could have just stopped with rainbows. I feel like. Well, I feel like he could have stopped with farewell, my friend. I feel like he yes. just had three finales. Yeah. Just like, all right, wrap it up, wrap it up. No, that's true. No, you're right. Yeah. He probably he probably had less songs than what was required of him for the full thing. Mm. Like, I bet you he was like happy with this core set, and then they were like, well, we need to get a couple need more a in bit there. More on there, yeah fucking record labels and all their bullshit. <laughs> now, that's, what a lot of That's what purely of, speculation. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, it would How can you sense. ruin now, an artistic I will say, piece? I will say that they piece. they definitely did fuck an him over. artist's piece. <laughs> they did go. fuck yeah. him over eventually. No, it's not what came out of my mouth at first. No, you're right. An artistic piece. Like a decision made. They, they How do, often are things interrupted by expectations they do fuck him over eventually because they pulled out um concert support for this album so like they were going to tour mm. this album and then they it didn't perform very well so, and they're so like, they said no nope, nah. never mind yeah damn so you have to go back to doing it the way some people do it you got to fund it yourself you got diy yeah you want to tour this concert that the charles manson no. drained you of most of your money I'm sorry <laughs> i do i do want to take one small side tour uh, for a song that's not on this album, but was going to be on bamboo. Okay. It's a song called Holy man. Um, that was written originally. It was just instrumental. Now we didn't listen to the song cause it's not on the album, but um, the reason I bring it up is because later on in life, after he died, um, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer who just passed away recently recorded a version of, Holy man, that he actually sang the words that were going to be in the song oh. on it. Um, and there's just a lot of similarities between Taylor Hawkins and uh, Dennis Wilson that, mm. that, that they like kind of pushed him to, to do that recording. So, but anyway, so that's, that's it. That's Pacific Ocean Blue. Um, thank you for listening to it. I know it's not like, even I know it's not the best album <laughs> ever written. But I do think it's, it's like a lot of really interesting stuff that's in it. And I really, yeah. I think too that you can see kind of like. You see <laughs> the potential. Yes. You see what, what it's supposed yeah, to be. There's a lot of potential in it. A lot of potential. Did we miss the big mic love blowout? Did I go to sleep? <laughs> I, I think it just wasn't okay, as big no, as. I, no, what was the big mic love problem? The, so oh, the big yeah. mic love the problem. the new facts? We need well, facts. first of all, all, most of these these decisions that were like pushing Dennis out of <laughs> the band. <laughs> Most of the decisions that were pushing Dennis out of the band that I mentioned or that the ones that pushed Brian out of the band, those were fueled by Mike Love. Okay. Mm. So like any, any instance where someone in the band is having trouble and can't seem to get their shit together, 
Mike Love exacerbates the situation. I see. So he doesn't know how to deal with those no, things. He so doesn't. He just instead tries to pick at it until it goes away. Exactly. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, he's a fucking control freak. I think for him to he, brush he, up their fucking image. He did not have drug problems. I think that he was a much more stable person than the, the Wilson family was because he didn't have an abusive father. Maybe. Um, but he's from Mama's side, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. But. Um, not to mention the fact that as I did more research into this, I thought to myself, I'm like, all right, Colton, you know what? Maybe Mike Love isn't all that bad. I'll give him a chance. I'll try and see his side of things, right? And of course, he says, oh, you know, things aren't exactly how they say it is. Like Brian's people and Al's people like to really like play it up for the media and like things didn't go down quite as, as they say it happened and all this kind of stuff. Well, Mike Love has sued almost every person in the family multiple times. Um, he just sued not too long ago for like 35 to no, it's like 45 uh, songs that he felt that he did not get credited on. Um, so he now who's, who's left to sue Brian. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. Brian, what the fuck? Like, uh, he Jesus just, he Christ. just sued uh, Brian and Al Jardine um, because they were performing with their versions of the beach boys. And he doesn't want them to perform with the name, the beach boys, only Mike love who, by the way, in his version of the beach boys is the only remaining member of the original beach boys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Psychotic. Also on top of the fact, uh, and that's why God made the radio was a record they released back in the two thousands that it was like this big thing. Mike Love is back. Brian's back. All the original Beach Boys are, are back, except for Dennis and Carl, because they're, they're no longer with us. Um, about two weeks into the tour of that album, he kicked Brian Wilson off of the tour. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I went over this last time in, in the last, the previous Beach Boys one. But basically... Are there Beach Boys fans that are showing up for just Mike Love? Like, is that <laughs> happening? On top of that, <laughs> on top of that, he is a known Trump supporter. Uh, Gross. Avid, oh, avid Trump hilarious. supporter. He has performed at Trump's, uh, no. like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, all sorts of shit. And also, yes. every time he performs as the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson and Al Jardine are like, hmm, that's not the Beach Boys. Okay. <laughs> um, in fact, that's Mike Love. Yeah. Yeah. The trademarked name because he sued our pants. In fact, there have been several times <laughs> where they have called people to this boycott the Beach Boys performances because Mike Love was supporting an ideal that they did not support. That's now, he's God. not entirely a terrible a person. Life. He has donated a shit ton of money to like hurricane relief stuff for Katrina and like helping the out. white people. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> he's not totally a terrible person. He has <laughs> donated his money, but... <laughs> I think that for all the things that he says about like, oh, it wasn't like that. Never, it was never like we didn't hate each other as much as people Crack think. Shit. Who's the person who has sued people multiple times? Like, obviously, so, bro, you're the only one out here saying that it wasn't as bad as everybody says. It was. Right. So, right. That's what I'm saying. Might have been as bad. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, especially when I found out that Dennis died homeless. Now that obviously was not just Mike love that did that, but he was one of the people that pushed to say, you need to go to rehab. Right. And of course he needed to go to rehab, but like they just let him die. Like that's what happened. And I like, they can fucking come down at me as much as they want (laughs) at him. Beach boys. 
I'm just saying that from an outside perspective, it certainly seems like every person in this family cared a lot more about the business than they did about yeah. the people in the family. Yeah, like like whenever someone is in some kind of a struggle, it's an ultimatum. Like right. you, either, you either get right or you're gone. I mean, and Brian, there's no help. Brian had fucking schizophrenia. And I know it's at a time in American history where like people didn't really like know how to deal with that kind of stuff. But like the man was hearing things and yeah. was telling you that he was hearing things. How did you not fucking help him? Especially because he's your cash cow. (laughs) Like literally every time. And and that's the thing too. Like Dennis talks about it. They're all basically like everybody paled in comparison to Brian. Like nobody could live up to Brian's songwriting. Nobody could keep up with his output. Like of course the man fucking cracked because all of you were using him. Like, you were gonna say because all of you were useless. <laughs> no, they're also not. True. They they are not because they carried the band without him for a very long time. But they never. They had Kokomo was the first fucking number like board single that they had since Pet Sounds. That's but yes, uh, that specific Ocean Blue. Very happy to have shared this record with you guys. I'm I glad that you listened to it and found some things that you liked about it so is that right it was all right yes all right. better pet sounds i don't agree with that but <laughs> <laughs> well uh the next time we reconvene um if we're following rotation melissa is next yeah she is next do you know what we're doing <laughs> we are doing the soundtrack from the bodyguard Oh, oh my! Oh, okay. my God! This is exciting. Okay, <laughs> wow! I'm I'm excited that we've now officially broached Girl. into soundtrack territory, <laughs> yeah. like not just like movie musical, like fully soundtrack. Oh, no. Okay, well, All it's right. also Whitney Houston's biggest album. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know that it was the biggest album. Y- yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the album. Okay. All right. So we're watching the movie too, right? We if you would like to watch the movie, watch the movie. Yes. Carefully. Actually, <laughs> actually, because of the backstory, please watch the movie. Okay. We have to watch the movie. All right. Tread carefully because I know that you're going to throw out like the Shrek soundtrack or something like that. And we are trying to talk Why about one you? artist at a time. <laughs> no. We set a record at a time. <laughs> I want to talk about the Spider-Man soundtrack. The oh, original one. my God. 2001, I think. That was a real good right. one. All right. We're done. That's oh, the end of the episode. Whatever. Let's, let's okay. say goodbye, okay. everyone. All right. Bye. Bye. That was very Christian Chenoweth. <laughs>